may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The human heart longs for adventure. The human heart longs for adventure. More than a century ago, there was a wanted ad that went out in the newspapers throughout Great Britain. And the ad read this. Men wanted for a hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. It was the ad for the endurance and the journey led by Ernest Shackleton on his way to the South Pole and Antarctica. And you think, boy, he must have gotten about two people to apply for that. Years later, Shackleton would say this. So overwhelming was the response to his appeal that it seemed as though all the men of Great Britain were determined to accompany him. It was overwhelming. They had thousands of applicants to be part of that journey, to be, to be part of that adventure, because the human heart longs for adventure. And where does that longing come from? It's implanted in our DNA from God Almighty because you are created in the image of an adventuresome God, a God who would have the audacity to create this world and to place in it Adam and Eve, his first creatures, and to give them essentially free reign of it, to encourage them to delight in it, to be his stewards, his viceroys, his vice regents over all creation, to, to carry out that loving dominion and care for all his creatures. That adventure was implanted in our hearts from the very beginning. As we sang just a moment ago, since light awoke and life began, thou hast desired thy life for man. Such is the calling that God laid on his creatures. A calling to the adventure of life with him. Life in his good creation. But now in these gray and latter days, we have a problem and the problem has been uh, diagnosed by one philosopher as what he calls the St. George in Retirement Syndrome. The St. George in Retirement Syndrome. Now, I should tell you about who St. George was. St. George is this fabled knight in ancient England who slayed the great dragon and so saved Great Britain. He was a glorious, conquering, dauntless hero. And then he went into retirement. So the story goes. And he continued to have that longing for adventure, and yet as he stalked Great Britain, he could find only smaller and smaller and smaller adventures until finally he was swinging his sword at thin air. Such is our plight in these gray and latter days, in our modern disenchanted age. We're like St. George in retirement. Because we've lost that sense of adventure or perhaps we've misplaced it and put it onto other things, substitutes, until finally we settle for slaying salamanders, <laughs> tiny dragons, substitutions for the great adventure to which God has called you and me. What are some of those tiny dragons that we go after? I think about the, the tiny dragons of diversions. Diversions of 
streaming, screens, sports, social media. None of these things bad in themselves, you understand. And yet you start to live vicariously through actors on a screen, through athletes on a field, or God help you, through influencers on the internet. They're living some great adventure. And perhaps I can just kind of be part of that. Grab onto their coattails. Tiny dragons of diversions. Or for other of us, others of us, we might be drawn to the, the tiny dragons of divisions rather than diversions. All of the fights that we see playing out on the national stage, the things that the media tell us about, whether it be culture wars or political battles, that's what gets us really exercised and excited. Left versus right, conservative versus progressive. That's where the real battle is happening. And all the while, we forget that our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not played out on Fox News or CNN. It is the powers and principalities that we battle against. The spiritual forces of this present darkness. That's what you and I are a part of. And yet we lose sight of it and settle for these tiny dragons. Or perhaps it's even worse than that. Maybe it's even worse than that. Because St. George just gets used to it and forgets about the adventure entirely. And you deaden your heart. Or as John Eldridge puts it, the people who walk in great darkness have adjusted their eyes. But now, but now a brighter light has dawned and has dawned for you and me. When we find Jesus in today's gospel, he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, walking on the beach, which, just a side note, I always like to point this out. If you're asking WWJD, what would Jesus do? Remember that going for a walk on the beach is one of the options. He's walking along the water's edge of the Sea of Galilee when finally he spies these young men. Simon Peter, his brother Andrew, James, and his brother John. He spies them, and what does he do? He calls them, come, follow me. Of course he does. This is what he has come to do, to call, to restore that aboriginal call to adventure that was there at the beginning, to reinstate our primordial purpose to say, come and follow me, which is to say, take up once again that mantle that was yours in Eden and be my own. Be sons and daughters of the king. Follow me. That's the call. That's the summons. And again, who does he call? Well, he calls Simon Peter. He calls Andrew. He calls James and John. Surely these guys were the most likely candidates for discipleship, right? I mean, these are saints. That's what we know them as. They were fishermen. He wants fishers of men. Of course, those are the guys he would call. <laughs> Wrong. By no means. These guys were the B team. They were the rabbi school dropouts. They were the junior varsity, y'all. And understand this. There are no likely candidates for discipleship. There are not. There are no likely candidates for discipleship. The call comes whenever it comes as pure Grace, as pure grace. Martin Franzman, who authored the hymn we sang a moment ago, he says that what you see here is an imperious confiscation. 
It is a royal laying claim to man. It's at Christ's initiative as the king of kings, the king of all creation, that he lays his claim on those first disciples and says, boom, you're mine. Come and follow me. You did not choose me, but I chose you, Jesus says. And it's the banner that is held over every disciple from ages eternal. Come, follow me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And they straight away drop their nets, leave everything immediately, and follow him. Why? Do we even need to ask the question? They follow him because he is the fulfillment of those long-hoped-for promises of the Messiah. They leave everything immediately and follow him because his word has power and authority. What Jesus says happens, does. When he says, follow me, they leave everything and follow him. But at the even more fundamental, basic level, why do they leave everything immediately and follow him? Because the human heart longs for adventure. And there is no greater adventure than the adventure of discipleship of following after the Lord Jesus. Now, you might say, ah, it's good for them, but I'm just an ordinary chap leading an ordinary life, and I'm British for some reason. <clears throat> Sometimes it just comes out that way. I don't know what it is. Not so. Don't say it. It's a lie from the evil one, see. To think, oh, I'm just an ordinary chap and an ordinary life and nothing really matters. It's those guys out there. It's those famous disciples, apostles, the people that we read about in the Bible, or perhaps the, the spiritual superheroes of our own day. They're the ones who are really doing it, who are leading that adventure of discipleship. But as for me, I'm just a regular, everyday person. Now understand, it is true that you are called differently than Simon Peter and Andrew and the rest. They had a unique role and place in salvation history. There's no question about that. They were apostles. They were the ones who were actually getting the dust of the Lord Jesus on their face. You are called differently than them, but you are called no less than them. See, You are called differently than them, but you are called no less than them. You have all the rights and privileges of a, a child, a son and a daughter of a king. That's who you are, see. That's who you are. You have been summoned forth to serve, not aboard the ship Endurance, but aboard the even more hazardous journey of the good ship of faith. Captain Christ has called you, come. You are not retired knights. You are undercover agents of the King of Kings. You are part and parcel of the kingdom of God as it advances even now. And he has made you to be part of his royal resistance. Yes, even here in northern Michigan. You and I are part of his royal resistance, undercover agents of the king. See, discipleship is an adventure every day. And it is an everyday adventure also. It's an adventure every day, but it's also an everyday adventure. Now, for some of you, it might, following him might mean something as radical as dropping your nets, figuratively speaking, some kind of radical relocation. In some cases, that's truly true. 
But more often than not, what this everyday adventure means for you and me is a transformation of the imagination. A transformation of the imagination. It's new vision to see anew what's right in front of you. To see anew the places and the vocations, the callings, the people that God has placed in your path. To recognize that right here, I'm called to live this royal resistance. To embrace the adventure of discipleship that he's given to me. It's right there, y'all. If we have eyes to see, let me flesh it out a little bit. Listen. When you sacrifice for the sake of your family, when you, when you make those sacrifices to run counter to the world at large, the kingdom comes. The kingdom comes. When you set aside your own wants and needs and desires for the sake of an aging loved one, whether that be a, a spouse or a parent, the kingdom comes. The kingdom comes. Married couples, when you fight through those tough times, the turbulent times, in order to uphold those marriage vows, the kingdom comes. And for you single folks, when you brave that walk of life in the name of Christ and strive to be faithful in that vocation for that season, the kingdom comes. Kids, when you go out into the world, into your schools, into your neighborhoods, and you find yourself feeling that pressure from other kids to be like, wait, you're walking with this Jesus guy? How weird is that? And you say, yep, I'm weird. The kingdom comes. When you dare to share the heart of Christ in your neighborhood, the kingdom comes. Such is the call that we have. Listen, the kingdom comes even without our prayers. God is faithful, but wonder of wonders, he has called and summoned and invited you and me to be part of it, to be part of it. That when we hear his word and believe it and strive to follow in his footsteps, to live with him in the places where he has put us, when we submit to this transformation of the imagination, then his kingdom comes. Amen? Amen. His kingdom comes. So don't forget it. Because the human heart is made for adventure. Don't quiet it. Don't stifle it. Don't cover up your eyes or stop your ears. Because the light has come and calls you today and every day. Follow me. Follow me. O God, O Lord of heaven and earth, thy living finger never wrote that life should be an aimless moat. A deathward drift from feudal birth. No. Thy word meant life triumphant hurled in splendor through this broken world. Since light awoke and life began, thou hast desired thy life for man, for you. And so he says, today and every day, come, follow me. This is an adventure. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.